We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen, and I am the host, as always. And joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Pretty good, man. Can't wait to talk about judging people as they run at their athletic peaks while I just woke up from a nap after eating a bowl of chicken and rice. Stephen, how are you doing? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Uh, I made some shrimp rolls tonight for dinner, mm. uh, some buttered shrimp rolls. They were fantastic um but yeah the the underwear olympics as they are are known are obviously this week and we'll have some uh fun stuff to dive into there in terms of uh prospects that we're really excited about most anticipated testers all that good stuff should be a lot of fun based off of what we have uh watched so far um before we get started as always make sure like subscribe comment all that good stuff uh rate and review if you're listening to this all that stuff does really help uh continue to grow the show and we do greatly appreciate the support um, that being said, we do have to kind of touch on the Khalil Mack front this week. I'm expecting to hear some kind of update from Mr. Joe Hortiz tomorrow about the players currently on the Chargers roster and kind of his assessment of the roster. Um, obviously, at the time of his introductory press conference, he probably only knew like, I mean, he probably knew a lot of them, right? But like now he's had a month to dive in and really evaluate this roster. So I'm excited to see. What kind of stuff comes out of his uh, press conference tomorrow? Um, Jeremy Fowler reported yesterday that there are reportedly multiple teams keeping an eye on Khalil Mack specifically as a trade candidate if the Chargers do kind of move on uh, from him. And we had a very spirited conversation in the Discord yesterday about Khalil Mack versus Joey Bosa versus both of them. Um what do you make of of his potential trade market, Tyler? And I guess, like, what would your argument be for trading him? Ooh, for trading him. Uh, so his current market and why anyone would trade for him is the fact that Khalil Mack is had a great season, 
one of the best edge rushers in the league. I forget whose rankings it was. Maybe it was Fowler's like poll or whatever it was, but he came in at fourth um, in terms of the rankings or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. It was right in front of me. Uh, Jeremy Fowler's. Oh, that was number. That's a year ago. My bad. Uh, old one. I, I think that you trade him, and the reason you trade him is because you are trying to win in 2025 and not in 2024. He's too expensive i guess to keep the cap hit is too too great and as good as he would be for your team in 2024 he's not going to do anything for you past that if that is what your goal is now i think he could i think he actually could do well in 2025 but i understand why in 2025 we're getting as much money off the books as possible it's Thule's thing we can get another edge rusher in the second round let's rock so while I think it'll be impossible, it'll be it will be impossible to replace Khalil Mack's production from last year, this year. But you're trying to look for, you're trying to look to the future, you're trying to find rookies, trying to find an edge where you have other, you know, things you got to address. So that's it's better roster building than trade Khalil Mack. Yeah, I think trading Khalil versus keeping Khalil, a lot of it also comes down to what kind of uh, trade package you're able to get in return and potentially weighing like if we keep Khalil on the current contract on the chargers, what kind of compensatory pick could he net in 2026 after he leaves in free agency? And I I think it's an interesting exercise because, you know, I, I think when it comes to trade packages, Brad Spielberger does tend to be a little bit more conservative on leaning in terms of what teams can potentially get for veteran players. And so he has the Chargers or wrote about the Chargers trading Klumak to the Detroit Lions and netting a 2025 fourth round draft pick, which in 2024 would essentially be a fifth round pick because you you have like the next year's tax. So it is that the trade package I don't know. I don't know if a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick is enough for me personally to trade Khalil Mack and, and not try and play the compensatory pick the following year. So that that's kind of maybe devil's advocate to trading him. Obviously, trading him away. Um, you know, the cap savings are first and foremost. His trading him is a much cleaner cap situation than trading Joey Bosa is because Joey Bosa still has two years left on his contract. But, you know, trading Khalil Mack, who is a free agent after the season, essentially you get out of his his existing contract. You take on uh, $15 million in dead money. You save $23 million, essentially. Um, and the team trading for him would take on his $17.55 million base salary. So if you're, a, if you're an opposing team and you're like, I, I'm one pass rusher away, I think that's a no-brainer. You trade a fifth-round pick, a fourth-round pick for you know Khalil Mack, and you take on seventeen million dollars. I think in a, for an acquiring team, that's a no-brainer. And to me, it, you know, as an opposing fan, if I were looking at Khalil and Joey, I would want Khalil based off of the the availability and things like that. So there's arguments for and against, but uh, a lot of it is weighing, you know, like what could we get in the future in terms of a compensatory pick. What could he net in a future contract? And what do we net in return? For me, like a fifth or fourth round pick is probably not enough to move that needle where I'm I'm willing to send Khalil Mack Packer. Yeah, I agree. I'm not willing to send him out for a day three pick, a fourth or fifth or whatever it is. And you never, you just don't know what the other two guys, you don't know with Joey Bosa in terms of health, where he's at, obviously not super cheap himself. 
Thule feel really good about, but like Hortiz did watch um, OA not have like a great second season, better third season, started off strong his first year, didn't take that next step, actually went back in his second year. So I just don't think you want to assume, okay, let's, Joey will be healthy and Thule will continue his ascent. Like you're not entirely sure. Um, I, I think Thule would be fine, but it is a new defensive scheme. It's a new, new defense is a new um, defensive coach. There's no Giff Smith. There's no Jay Rogers. There's no one of or both of Joey and Khalil to help him grow. So you never really know. So I I, I would hang, hang on to him, but I understand why another team would want to want to take him. This is like, hey, you know, the Bears traded for Khalil Mack. Wasn't like as strong as he was with the Raiders, but he still was pretty good until injuries were a problem. Chargers traded for Mack and he did great. Obviously, two very good seasons, one great season. So it's like, okay. It's not like he only fits in one place. So I, I would feel really good as another team trading for him. You can handle the cap. You don't mind giving up whatever it is. Even if it is like a third round pick, you feel pretty good. Like if you're trying to win this year, if you're, I don't know, the Lions or something, and you want to go like Hutchinson mm-hmm. and Mac, like that would be like, yeah, pretty let's cool. do this. <laughs> yeah, let's end this. Like let's let's make sure we get to that Super Bowl this year. Yeah, would get why any team would do it. But I also understand why the Chargers would, would say no. Yeah, so I guess... For me, like, and I and I'll, I kind of pose this question to you as well. You know, I was asked, like, okay, so if fourth or fifth round pick is not doing it for you, like, what would the Chargers have to get in return for you to be comfortable trading away Kilomac? And I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that because I think because because I hold Kilomac in such high regard at this point, it's hard for me to look at that situation and be like, man, would I rather have the cap savings and a third round pick? Or would I rather just have another season of Khalil Mack and maybe get another, you know, 12 sack season, 80 pressures kind of season? It's a tough thing to to weigh. And I'm glad I'm not making that decision because I probably would lean towards keeping Khalil Mack unless I'm getting the if I get a second round pick for Khalil, I probably would accept yeah. that. I just don't think that's happening. And so for that, I would just rather play the compensatory pick game and see. Maybe somebody pays him, you know, $12, $13 million in next offseason. You can get a fourth round compensatory pick or fifth round compensatory pick. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'll work with that. No problem. Second round pick. Sure. I, I'm there. I think the last time we discussed this, I said, hey, like, what if you got Jackson Powers Johnson in the second for that pick or keep Kula Mack? I'm like, yeah, Jackson Powers Johnson. Yeah. Any of those guys in the second round that you get this year are your starters next year. and You feel good about them. Yeah. But you're not getting a second round pick. So now it's maybe a third at best. And I don't think that. So I, I agree. I just don't think it could be more. And if you get four teams that are going, we really want this player. And you just are picking up different phones until there's a bit of a bidding war. Like I, if you can settle on a third round pick, I'd get it. I would get it. Yeah. It is not a Telesco third. It is a Hortiz third. Ravens have been much better <laughs> in the third round with those picks. Yeah. Um. So I, I would totally, totally get it at, at a third round price, but day three, like you can, you could trade back in the second round and pick that up, and still pick up, still hold on to Khalil Mack. I don't think the Chargers are really going to be contending for a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Um. So I just hold on to them and see what happens. Yeah, I think part of me is also kind of operating under the assumption that the team probably would prefer to move on from Joey because Joey's health and things like that. So what I definitely do not want to see, and I know like there are some fans out there who just want to kind of rip the bandit off and I totally get why, you know, moving on from Joey and Khalil, you save, you know, $37 million or whatever the the math is. 
Um, and I totally understand that. But then also, like, you're looking at Thule, some kind of cheap veteran rotational edge rusher, and let's say a, a second-round pick. Is that really, like, what Jesse Minter and Jim Harbaugh signed up for? Like, I, I just can't – I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. I'm not saying that, like, you keep Joey Bosa if you trade Khalil Mack, but at the same time, like, even the idea of Joey is still creates a better edge rusher room than the alternative. Like, you know, I, I know people have, have uh, pegged like Josh Uche as, as a potential target for the chargers. Josh Uche is like a 235 pound edge rusher who like exclusively is like a sub package rusher, you know? So is that plus I don't know, Darius Robinson from Missouri in the second round, if he makes it there plus Thule, I like, I just, I, I don't think that's what this regime signed up for. Like, I know that they have to clear cap space, but I also know that it's not as dire of a situation now that the cap has increased. So you don't necessarily have to back yourself into that corner where you have to ship off both Khalil and Keenan. Whoa, what the heck is that? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> what the what heck just, was that? What just happened? Happy birthday? <laughs> I don't know. What that was that was so strange. I apologize to our audio audience. Uh <laughs> Some like fireworks just went off in the background of my video. So I don't know what the heck that was. <laughs> Happy New yeah. Year, I guess, yeah. on Happy February 26th. Chinese New Year, I guess. Um, <laughs> Gong Hei Fat Choi. It's not my birthday. My birthday was Are in you, January. Pregnant? <laughs> like, what happened? What was nope. that? <laughs> I had a good um, dinner, I guess. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts there, Tyler, on uh, Khalil Mack? No, what were you saying right before that? Like, did God tell us that was a good idea? What were you saying during that time? I I, I guess I was talking about, like, the idea of getting rid of both <laughs> Joey and Khalil being a bad idea. So I guess StreamYard agrees. <laughs> <laughs> StreamYard agrees. Wow, okay. All right. Uh, maybe it is a bad idea. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to do StreamYard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it is interesting, though. Multiple teams being invo involved on uh, Khalil Mack trade, I think, certainly could drive up his market. Um, we'll do uh, a real deep dive on, on free agency cap stuff. We always do, especially uh, we can hopefully we can get Arjun on here and uh, workshop some things. But we are inching closer and closer towards the new league year, which I think is officially like 17 days away as of today. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get to our combine preview. Um, I know that people make fun of the combine. I love the combine. I think it's a fantastic event every single year. I love seeing like the the reactions on Twitter and like, I'll never forget like the Jordan Davis combine, even though I wasn't <laughs> yeah. like a huge Jordan Davis guy, you know, just like the reaction of seeing a huge man like that move that fast and everybody's reactions to it was, was super fun. Um, and I think it, it, from our standpoint, from people who look at like, you know, the draft prospects and things like that and, and trying to figure out who should go where and things like that, it, it certainly matters more than, than people make it out to be. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, maybe Brock Bowers. Some of these other guys are not going to be testing, but still there's a ton of talent that's going to be on the field in Indianapolis this week. Um, let, let's start with this specific question, Tyler. If you like, had to uh, pick one cluster of uh, position and who might have like the most on the line in that scenario, who would mm-hmm. you go with? I would have discussed receiver if Marvin Harrison Jr. or neighbors were even doing this, but no, they're not. And Bowers probably isn't. So I can't just say Odunze by default. Yeah. I think there's a certain aspect where I feel like running back needs to prove itself mm. because there's a certain collection of guys on day two, you know, early day three. I think a lot of us like all of them. It, it reminds me a bit of the Brees Hall, Rashad White, that kind of draft class, but I still think that class was even better. And I think fewer injury concerns. But I'm looking for the individuals who are able to literally break away from the group and and stand out as being nice. that explosive back. Um, some of it by breakaway rate from college, but also just the 40 times. I think with Tom Telesco before, this group was always for the Chargers, not the most explosive group. I think Joshua Kelly was their fastest, and it's not like he was that fast. And you don't need to be super fast to be good, but you have to be explosive at least athletically but also statistically, and that never that Venn diagram never worked for the Chargers when it came to the guys that they drafted, unfortunately. Um, as far as the most to prove or lose, there's definitely some guys, I, I don't know if they're officially working back or not, but some guys that have been injured. Um, one individual I think who absolutely needs to show up and do well, especially because he opted out of the senior bowl, I'm pretty sure he's, he's testing, but correct me if I'm wrong, that's Blake Corum from Michigan, obviously the running back from Michigan, because his... Her play stats are among the worst I've ever seen for running back projected to go as high as he is. And I know Chargers fans are on the Blake Corum train. I think 27 touchdowns is really cool, of course. But post-injury from last year to this year, the per play stats are not good. Yards after contact per attempt are terrible. The breakaway rate is terrible. Of the 299 running backs in college football last year with 50 or more attempts, Corum is 269th in yards after contact per attempt, 163rd in yards per attempt, and 166th in breakaway rate. He's a guy listed at 5'8". He'll be 24 in November. Skip the Senior Bowl. So I'm kind of looking to see what he's like here. And does that mean if he runs a you know 4-3 that he's a great running back? No, but this is a player who supposedly has lost the explosiveness. 
who hasn't been as quick or fast or, or twitchy or whatever as he was pre-injury. But there's been some time off. You get to prepare for this thing. How fast are you? How caught up from where you were before are you? Or are you going to run a 4-5? I don't know if he will, but let's say he has a really slow or something. Right. So if he runs something that isn't very great, I don't see how Chargers fans could be on board. Like if you marry injury history with the stats being pretty bad, like I've never had I've never had a running back on our per play stats rankings rank in the 20s on average. It's always been something a little bit better. Uh, the fact that he did is that he's the only person in three or four years that has done that. So yeah. this is that not going to the senior bowl. I got to see something out of him. I don't know that it really like knocks him down if he doesn't do well. Yeah, but he goes out and runs and, and looks really good. You can move him up because now it's like, okay, he was recovering last year. Wasn't his best season, but he's moving up. He's trying to get better. He will return to form. And then you can feel more comfortable talking about him in the, I don't know, third round or whatever he's projected to go. But right now he's RB2 at, at 64th on the consensus board. And I'm sorry. If he runs a really, really, <laughs> if he runs a really, really bad, not just 40, but just testing overall yeah. at 5'8 and being 24 this year. I don't know, man. Yeah, he'd have to run like a four three for me to feel comfortable at it, that that selection in the sixties. Like, I think he has good film. I don't think he has. I don't think he's a bad player per se. Like, there, I really enjoy watching him work outside zone runs. They Michigan did, and the Chargers will do so many gap and power concepts. It's quick hitting, where you have to cut on a dime or you have to run somebody over. Like, you have to make somebody miss instantly. And that's just like not really his game. Like his game is more patience, vision, space, and like let me make a linebacker miss, not a defensive tackle. I mean, because he is five eight. Like there's there's a lot working against him. So from the testing standpoint, like that would be the thing that could could boost him up medically. Like because this is a huge part of the problem. I mean, we won't we won't know that obviously until probably the the, the draft and things like that. But medically like he's gonna have to clear all of these teams tests you know like how good is that knee after after you know the the injury and and is there any kind of long-term damage there the other side of things for me too is like drafting a third round running back in a vacuum who only gives you four years like it's not the worst thing in the world but like i at least need like the idea of the potential of that second round that second contract and Blake Corum will be 28 at the end of his rookie contract, which is when running backs have already fallen off the cliff. So it's just, it's a tough sell for me. I like a lot of other running backs better, but from a who has the most to lose or who has the most to gain, like Blake Corum showing out well at the combine would be a big deal for him. Yeah. Uh, flip side, like Marshawn Lloyd, Bucky Irving, some of these guys, like if you can go out and hit a home run, that's who we're targeting. And Marshawn Lloyd anyway, because A, we like him, B, the running back coach connection. Yeah, uh, but you go out and you crush it in the testing. That's kind of your target for me. Yeah, yeah. And from a running back standpoint, I, I, I have Audric Estime and Braylon Allen like basically with the same exact grade. <laughs> um, it was really funny. I was watching the tape of Braylon Allen yesterday, and I was like, man, like he's really doing an awesome job in pass protection. And then I looked at the numbers, and he was like third worst in the country in pass blocking efficiency rating. <laughs> and I was like, what the shit? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um. But yeah, like that that athletic profile for both of them, because I think both of them do have some juice after the fact, maybe a little bit more underrated. So, but they're both like over 230 pounds. They're both like physical freaks. And so I am very curious 
what's the short area shuttle like what's the 40 time like you know audrick Esme apparently is like gonna set a running back record for bench press not that that matters i don't think it matters at all but um you know he's like a real workout warrior and sounds like a ben herbert type like all the way <laughs> um so th that duo for me is is definitely some I'm, I'm trying to break a tie there and physical testing will probably do that yeah i agree um if and I'll, I'll let you get to your your actual picks here but like if odunze had run or sorry, sorry if neighbors had run and odunze just crushed it blew him out of the water like just blew away the competition any shot odunze would have moved up ahead of neighbors for you or would it not have mattered regardless um i don't think it matters a whole lot unless neighbors rent like surprisingly just runs like a four or five like i would like that's really the only scenario where i'd be like oh like let's revisit some things but the juice with neighbors is so clear like he's able to pull away from guys like in such a hurry in the sec and mind you so the film says that malik neighbors is fast if he's a 4-4 guy instead of a 4-3 guy i don't think it really matters i yeah. think you know I, I said on the last show like one of my favorite things is, is the tempo that he runs with plus like the body control balance so I think it is close, but neighbors would have to run very poorly for me to be like, okay, like Odunze is wide receiver two now. Gotcha. All right. Who are you looking at in this, uh, this combine? Yeah, there's a, there's a few players that I'm really excited to see, but um, right now um, I have Nate Wiggins, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Cooper DeGene all graded very, very similarly. Um, Cooper DeGene's not going to test. He's still working back from his, his, uh, his injury, but, by all accounts, the dude is a physical freak. I might like him best in the in the slot, but like if he were going to test, he would probably test extremely well. Nate Wiggins is super fast and supposedly has like a 40-inch vertical. So he's going to test super well too. And Kool-Aid McKinstry to me, like he has the most to lose in this cornerback group and the most to gain if he tests well. Um, I have concerns about just like his overall effort and consistency with effort. Um, but also the long speed concerns, I think, are very real, too. And just like the short area quickness and like you, you never want to like compare guys like right off the side because Kool-Aid McKinstry does a lot of things well. But it, the difference in like short area quickness and like effort between him and Terry and Arnold is like very obvious on tape. Um, and you look at this cornerback class and it's not just like that trio. I haven't even gotten to Quinion Mitchell yet. You know, there's also like NS Rakestraw who I like and there's all these other guys. So if Kool-Aid McKinstry comes out and runs like a four five and like tests like decently well, that is like potentially a second round pick at that point. But if he comes in, he runs like a four four two or four four three or whatever and tests really well, then that solidifies him as a first round pick. So Kool-Aid McKinstry to me, I think is is a guy that I think has the most to lose or gain in the combine because you're talking about a first round player, top twenty round player or top twenty pick player. Or somebody who's like maybe 45, pick 50, that kind of range. And we saw, you know, Keely Ringo was not like the level of prospect as Kool-Aid McKinstry, but Keely Ringo yeah. didn't test super great. And then the film was kind of a struggle and then he fell. And that's what can happen with the corner. So Kool-Aid McKinstry to me, he started this whole thing as like everybody was hyping him up as CB1. Now he's like CB4, 5, 6. If he tests poorly, like, he he might be you know a mid second round pick and that's a huge change from where he was at this time like three months ago 
Yeah, there there are guys that are jockeying for a spot to jump him right now. You know the consensus board or however you you bear these guys out. There's a couple of guys. Your TJ Tampa, your Kamar Lasseter, Rake Straw. All these guys could just jump ahead of him, and I don't know if I I don't think he falls late into the second by any means if he doesn't test well. But he's starting to he, he's already lost ground. Like the switch from yeah. him, like you said, from one to two to three to four. Uh, he could potentially fall to like fifth or sixth corner. And that doesn't mean he's bad. The tape is the tape and the tape is, is solid. It's good. But um, yeah, this whole process, I haven't been like, wow, that's the CB1. And so if you go out, because um, he was he was a player I was going to talk about too, because he was another player I'd talk about. Yeah, if, if he doesn't do so hot, I mean, he he's going to slide a little bit. And that is definitely a a position where it does matter. These trades do matter. You're taking corners in the first round because they're the most talented. Yeah. Um, the tape is obviously elite too, or that's pretty good. But you also got to go for talent. I don't remember what Caleb, I don't even know if Caleb Farley tested, but all the accounts were that he was going to test really well and he was super athletic. And that's why a team like the Titans would, would take a chance on him. Even with all the ball. medical stuff, they were even like, oh, he's an that. athlete. Let's go. Yes, exactly. You got to get these guys to go yeah. against these, these receivers. Yeah. If you go out and you're not running all that fast, I, I mean, Ringo's a good example. I mean, listen, Joey Porter Jr. like crushed it at the combine. He fell to the second round. Yeah. But like he was the first pick of the second round. So I, I that is possible. That is possible for McKinstry. Um, and if that were the case, then I'm I'm praying he falls to 37. That, I'd love that. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, is there another cluster for you that you're you're hoping to get some clarity on this week? Um, I, it it wouldn't break any ties for me, but like offensive tackle as a cluster, I do want to see, and I, I hope yeah. that group becomes as I hope at least Fashanu and Alt become as enticing as possible for teams that want to trade up or the Chargers want to trade back, and I hope that Fuaga and probably more so Latham test really really well. So if the Chargers trade back. And take one of those guys, you're feeling really, really good. So that, does that really change the rankings for me? No, but like if you trade back and Latham has a gr- pretty solid combine for a guy as big he's, he is, or Fuaga just crushes it because he probably will, then you're feeling better about that trade back. Should those guys be there? Yeah, I, Fuaga or I guess Latham, if he tests like super poorly, like if he's like Orlando Brown, which I don't <laughs> see happening. No. But if he's if he's like just tests like terribly, like I I. I, I like him a lot. I like the tape a lot, but if he's, you know, that poorly of an athlete, like that probably would merit bumming him down. Mm-hmm. I can't really see Fuaga and he's like, I, I don't watch Fuaga and think like, man, like this guy's an athletic freak. Like I, I'm not expecting yeah. him to do that. Um, so yeah, the other one interesting for me, Oh, uh, Rodrigo Kingsley Sumatea. Um, he went to BYU, so I will not be watching. I, I, I have not watched him <laughs> yet, but it, it sounds like he is supposed to be the the freak of the freaks um, yeah. on Bruce Feldman's list. Um, I think Feldman asked the BYU offensive coordinator or offensive line coach about them, and he said, "No, uh, he's more athletic than than Freeland was, and he had like a nine point nine yeah. RAS or whatever." Yeah, and uh, obviously the, the cousin of of Panay Sewell, uh, feeling pretty good there. Pretty good genes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Sewells are also related to the Nakuas. Fun fact. Huh. So Puka Nakua, Panay Sewell, the other Sewell brothers, Kingsley Sumatea. That's a pretty good, pretty good gene line, man. Um, the the other uh, cluster for me I'm really interested in is the wide receiver group of Jalen Polk, 
Roman Wilson mm. and mm-hmm. Ricky Pearsall from uh, Washington, Michigan and, and Florida. Um, Roman Wilson is on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's apparently like one of the, you know, quickest in terms of agility players that Michigan has ever had. If that shows up at the combine, because there has been some, oh, this is the best Michigan tester ever. Then that doesn't really show up at the combine. We'll mention another guy, one of those guys here in a minute. Um, but if Roman Wilson does test like that, like he, my concern right now for him really is only like his size and he might be limited to the slot, but his film, if he tests like a physical freak, like he might push like to the top 40 for me. Like I love his tape. And if he tests like he is supposed to test, that would solidify that status. Um, Not expecting Ricky Pearsall or Jalen Polk to test super well, but one of them testing poorly would, would potentially break that tie. So I'm expecting Roman Wilson to test very well, or at least that's the hype anyways. The other two, you know, I, I think a poor testing could could uh, push them down a little bit. You know, Ricky Pearsall and Jalen Polk are, are kind of a bit more uh, on the more versatile, bigger side than Roman Wilson, I think, is in the yeah. NFL. Um, but a, a poor showing from one of them could could bump them down. Yeah, Bleacher Report had an article predicting who'd be the fastest 40 guys at the Combine. And but the first person they, they mentioned was Roman Wilson. I figured, what? Yeah. You know, I did not expect to see that. I have not watched him. I did not realize that he was one of those guys. I think there was so much attention to, let's say, Malik Neighbors and then like Xavier Worthy. I don't remember hearing Roman Wilson being that guy as the speedster. So for him to be considered one of those guys is really, really intriguing. And he's pretty routinely there for the Chargers in a mock in the second round, if you would like to take him. And if he goes out and runs that 4-3-1 that they're thinking that he's going to run, you got a conversation. And you got a conversation about a lot of these guys. I mean, even if Xavier Worthy goes out and runs, like he was, I thought he was the guy they mentioned in the article. Because to me, just watching these guys, having not watched Wilson, he feels like the really fast guy in this second round-ish cluster who could, you know, gain some momentum. But if it's Wilson, hey, uh, that's a lot of fun. That means that means the Chargers would have an option of like Wilson, his speed, uh, Worthy potentially there in the second round, and his speed. You know, if if you go Bowers, you go Tackle or whatever, you can find a home run hitter in the second round. Not perfect players, but still. Yeah, and uh, Tara in the chat here too. Troy Franklin is another very fast individual as well. So yeah, but um, like you don't like him? Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't love him. I should say at least. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, but yeah, this, uh, the, we focused a lot on the first round so far, but the second round of wide receivers, man, they, this, this class has a deep, deep group of wide receivers. So for the chargers, like I totally understand if they go weapon in the first round, I'm not advocating against that, but if they trade down and miss out the second round group of wide receivers, man, is pretty freaking good. Yeah. Uh, and I'll sort of jump in and talk about the defensive tackles there too, because yeah. it, it's, it's one and two, right? There's two guys. Oh, interesting. Byron Murphy's not behind Newton on the consensus board. That's new. Uh, anyway, Newton, Murphy, those are the two guys that seem to be going in the first round. We'll see what happens. Um, but then there's the kind of everybody else. And, and who are those guys going to be? Um, Tavondre Sweat, I have not watched him specifically, but I've now watched offensive linemen go up against him. Very big guy, and the concerns there are how big of a guy is he? Um, <laughs> the Chargers need a 300 pounds something guy for Jesse Minter's defense, but we're pushing like 350, 360 here. 
Um, that could definitely be a concern. So how he works up, um, that'd be worth noting. Michael Hall, I, I love Michael Hall, super fun guy. I think he's currently a DT three for me, and I really do like him quite a bit. Um, Braden Fisk is going to test extremely well. Watching him, like he's his short area quickness, his burst is insane. He's going to test well. Um, but then Chris Jenkins, might as well talk about him. Thirty three minutes in, he's on the thumbnail. Yeah. If Jim Harbaugh calls you the mutant of all mutants you kind of pay attention and maybe I wouldn't have paid attention to that quote beforehand. And this was a previous year quote, but after Jim Harbaugh said JJ McCarthy would be QB one taken. And the fact that it's actually a conversation <laughs> potentially now, like I guess yeah. I have to take his word for yeah. it. So Chris Jenkins is apparently just a, a complete freak of a player. Um, we'll see what he like weighs in at, um, at somewhere less than just like two seventy. But then at the senior bowl, he's like 305 or whatever it was. So he's right around what the, the Chargers would want for a defensive tackle. How well does he test? We'll see. But the mutant of all mutants is out there. And I'm curious to see how he tests. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a scheme fit right away. Defensive tackle can be kind of a slower developing position. So maybe that that helps kind of adjust it. Um, on Bruce Feldman's freak list, the mutant of all mutants, Chris Jenkins, just to go over this. Um, Jenkins did a Turkish getup with a 170 pound dumbbell, uh, which for those of you who don't know what a Turkish getup is, it's where you have a dumbbell over your head you're laying completely on your back and you have to stand all the way up with the weight completely over your head. Uh, I've never tried that lift ever in my life. Doing it with 170 pound dumbbell is crazy to me. Um, so that's one thing Michigan, Ben, Michigan strength coach, now Chargers strength coach, Ben Herbert has ever witnessed. Jenkins also can do pull-ups with a 100-pound weight strapped to his waist and could do 700, 760 pounds on the combo twist. Um, from an agility standpoint, last offseason, Jenkins ran a 7.163 cone, 4.33 shuttle, broad jumped 9, uh, 9 feet 8 inches, and vertical jumped 34 inches. He also did 32 reps at 225 pounds. Um, <laughs> that's like not just mutinable means that's like approaching like perfect res score at this point so again there have been some other michigan players who have very high reputations go to the combine and not show that if chris jenkins does all of that like <laughs> how high does he go in this draft man because this defensive tackle class is stacked but chris jenkins has his good run stuffing tape he obviously mm -hmm. fits with with what the chargers want to do and if he's like a perfect res man like that's a first round pick. Potentially. Um, yeah, it depends on how few people are viewing these guys. I don't remember. So I'm trying to look at the, the draft now from last year. Another good group of defensive tackles. If he does that, he should be more athletic than Mozzie Smith. I don't think was. Oh, he's super. definitely more athletic than Mozzie Smith for sure. Yeah. Um, Brian Brzee was probably like an average tester. So and he went in 29th. And I, I'd say they're about the same production-wise. Less question marks with Jenkins than, than Brzee. And then after that, it took a while, Keanu Benton. So what didn't Keanu Benton test well or no? Benton tested very well, yes. So he tested with an almost a 9 RES. So I, I'd say about then. I'd say like he's he would go from, okay, maybe it's Sweat, maybe it's Hall, maybe it's Taylor, maybe it's Rook, to he's the first D-tackle off the board in the second round although jenkins has moved up i feel like I, I don't know what he was before but i don't remember him being 
51st on the consensus. So uh, he's moved up recently for sure. Yeah. You see something in the chat? Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, some people in the chat are, are mentioning Eddie. So he'll be undergoing another surgery oh, on shit. his left kidney. He has a bacterial mass they need to remove. Send me prayers. Yeah, Eddie, that is that is awful. Um, I, I can't imagine. Hopefully that goes okay. Hopefully your other kidney is obviously working um, functionally. Another surgery on my left kidney with a bacterial mass. I can't imagine, man. So I, I started to hear that, Eddie. Hopefully you, you get through it and you rest up and all things are okay. Yeah, second and uh, I my cousin had some kidney issues back in the day. I don't want to dive too much into the details, but uh, it's no joke. And um, hopefully you get the medical support you need. Mm -hmm. uh, get back on the good side here quickly. Hate to pivot away from this, but for all that about Chris Jenkins, Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle from Texas, I think is objectively a better prospect and might be more freaky than that. Um, you know, uh, Dane Brugler had a great piece today about a com about the combine preview, including in, in a discussion with Byron Murphy, who's shooting to be in the four eight forty range, a seven point two three cone, and bench press at least thirty five reps. Uh, so again, that is approaching perfect RES score, and he does have, I think, a bigger frame too. So Byron Murphy, I think, is a curious one. There's a lot of people out there who think he's like a top 10 pick. There's a lot of people out there who think he's, you know, a top 20 pick and things like that. And if he tests like that, the film is like that, the numbers are like that, he's making a good case for himself. I still think I might prefer Johnny Newton, but uh, both of those guys are fantastic players. Byron Murphy like I saw one guy say, I think it might have, I can't remember who specifically, one drafted on this, so I, I fall, I, f- I forget right now, has him as the highest graded defensive player on his board, like ahead of Terry and Arnold, Latu, all these guys. So there, there's a lot of love out there for Byron Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the Byron Murphy ascension is it's awesome. Uh, I <laughs> wish I had, I don't know, like it, it was not, when I watched him, he was the, the second round guy. Um, it was between him and Jackson Powers Johnson, and now it's like, yeah, for mm, yeah, I can't get behind <laughs> number one guy on your board. Maybe, maybe grade, but even then, like I have Johnny Newton higher at this point. Yeah, I do as well. But he's going to show out for sure. Um, perhaps the biggest curiosity for me uh, is you mentioned offensive tackle earlier, Amarius uh, Mims, man, uh, mm. supposedly like the guy that makes Alufushanu look unathletic. Uh, so Amarius Mims, I think is one of the biggest curiosities of the draft. He has eight starts to his name. Two of those he got injured in and two of those six were against, <laughs> were against non FBS teams, man. Like this man has four starts against, fbs teams the film is comical like how just easy and effortless he is out there and if he tests like sounds like he's gonna test i'm not gonna move him up because like tyler just said or motioned that's a a lot of red flags there for me personally at offensive tackle but uh i'm just so anxious to see what these testing scores looks like because duke mannyweather said he's the most athletic tackle he's ever been around and the film is ridiculously funny in a good way. 
Wow. Because, I mean, if Duke does anything else, or if he does nothing else, it's prepare these guys for the combine to absolutely crush it with yeah. their testing, whether it is a Penning or whoever, um, Neil, these guys. If he's the most athletic and that shows up, that's awesome for him and whichever team takes him. <laughs> and look, like, okay, it could at least benefit the Chargers if they trade back and go, hey, we could trade back and maybe even trade back again. And look, there's a really athletic tackle. And you trade back twice and take Mims. Even I, at that point, probably can't say anything. But yeah, I, I don't know about that one, man. Like, I, I hope he's a rock star for some team and a tackle for some NFC team the Chargers never have to play for a <laughs> long time. Um, I hope he's a great Panthers tackle or something. But although they're playing them this year, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out on that one. I rarely am just like, yeah, I'm out on somebody. That's 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 gonna be one of them. Yeah, that's. Trevor Penning is a very different thing because Trevor was like very much just like a mentality and like a technique thing. And I just like, I, I, I did not want to see that. Amarius Mims, like I kind of would want to see that, but at the same time, like it's a big risk. And I just, I, I don't think the chargers can afford to take that risk right now. If they were in a better spot in an alternate universe where, Corey Lindsay's still playing football and JC Jackson hits mm. and Sebastian Joseph Day hits and like all these other things. Maybe, but the Chargers just cannot afford to strike out. And that's the thing right now for me. Like this draft needs to be about hitting some doubles, maybe a triple, and just like get on base. You don't have to strike out. No strikeouts, please. Yeah. No strikeouts. There's my one baseball reference of the year. There you go. You're, you're going to have another one. There's no other way, but probably, probably. All right, Tyler, anybody, uh, any big curiosity or player you're just like stoked to see test this week? Um, Stoked to see. I think we've covered most of them at that point. I am very curious how Lyotu Latu tests because he's my third highest graded player in the class who's not going to be a top three player on the board because of the question marks. I, if look, if you're going to trade back and take a curiosity, I'm taking Latu over Mims because Latu played two full years, sure. and completely wrecked competition. But I'm curious how he tests because he's got the 32 inch arms, not the the biggest guy, and supposedly not going to be um, the best the best tester either. But I, I'm just curious what the buzz is for him out of these out of the tests. You know, does someone say, "Hey, I have you know eight teams don't medically clear him," mm-hmm. um, or does everyone say, "Hey, we're good"? Like. He played for two years. He's we've checked everything. He's as good as you could be. That's all behind him. Because if that's the case, then I kind of could see the Chargers trading back and then getting rid of Joey Bosa or Khalil and then getting a lot to because uh, he's he's pretty freaking good. Like he's he's one of my yeah. favorite players in this class. Yeah, the film is so much fun to watch. I uh, went back and was watching the the Murphy twins, his teammates. And I just kept on getting drawn to Latu, man. Like it, it's it's so hard not to see him making these plays. And you know the the pass rush win rate is fantastic. The total pressures, um, the guy just like his his pass rush arsenal is so deep, and it's it might be like the most technically refined pass rusher I've studied. But the testing numbers are supposedly not great. I think there's a ton of bend, so he might do like the short area very, very well, but like, I don't think he's going to jump super high or, or far in the broad jump. I don't think he's going to like run super fast, but short area is his bag. So I could see him testing well there. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of another compar comparable example, but uh, I don't know. Because like Ojaba was her, but he he didn't test. But we yeah. knew he would test well. Yeah, like, that was not a surprise. What is George Karloftis number? And mm. another nine. I mean, come on. I got Karloftis was more like stylistically. That's not really. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, not at all. Just looking for any kind of. Yeah, got nothing. Yeah. Um, the other, my blind spot this year is the safety position. Mm -hmm. Like, I need somebody to like really emerge. Like, I, you know, I, I think I've said this before. There, there's not a high end safety in this class. As much as like I would love to pound the table for like, the Utah guys, um, they're they're just not in that same level. And I think this is this group is it's lacking a Brian Branch. I even think it's lacking a Quan Martin type of prospect. Um. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota to me has like the best film of what I've seen so far. Um, but there's, there might be some athletic concerns there for me. So somebody in this group, like, please test well, like I need somebody from the safety position to emerge and not to say that the chargers would take a safety at pick number 37, but I at least would like to like have the idea of taking a second round safety because it is a need for this chargers team. And the way that Jesse Minter plays defense, you need three quality safeties on the field, basically like half the snaps of the season. So it's it's a big need. I'm hoping that somebody from this group can rise. Um, you know, there's there's some good safeties out there, but right now it's just kind of all muddled together right now. Yeah, as much as I loved doing the whole, and this might have been corner, the whole, hey, look, there's a, college team we recognize let's take him <laughs> um, as fun as that was in our last mock draft we got to start figuring out who these safeties are and i think yeah that'll kind of start a with the consensus board sure but also who's testing really well who's flying who can blitz very well who's going to be that great blitzer that jesse Minter needs yeah and that's not everything right but like the chargers the chargers need a jt woods type so if jt woods could like hit that'd be great but they need a free safety who can play over the top, have the range, have the speed, have the ball skills. Um, you know, is there somebody like that in this class? I'm not too sure at the moment. So ideally, like, you know, the testing could reveal some kind of player like that. Yeah. And your Utah guys aren't going to test super well? Um, Sione Maki will test very well. Okay. I just, I, Sione, I think is best suited in the slot. What I wish for Sione is that he would have come back to school and switched to running back full time because I think his running back tape is like outstanding. Um, oh. But he he's going to test super well. He was on Feldman, Feldman's freak list as well. Let me pull his his thing up real quickly. Cole Bishop, I don't think is going to test poorly, but I don't think he's going to test like super well either. Cole's thing is just like versatility, technique. He's just really sound. Um, I don't expect him to test super well. So uh, Sione Vaki made the freaks list last year after he bench pressed 400 pounds, vertical jump 39 inches, broad jump 10 and a half, uh, 10 feet and five and a half inches. Um, very explosive, very twitchy, super athletic player. If you watch his running back tape, I think you'll see that kind of athleticism on tape, um, certainly on defense as well. Film-wise, as much as I would love to like pound the table for him, I think his defensive film is probably like early day three type of defensive mm -hmm. film. Cole Bishop has better film. I think he's a, objectively a better safety prospect than than Sione, but 
Sione's certainly more athletic. What's your take on the centers for the Chargers specifically? Does it matter if any I mean, obviously athleticism matters, but like does it matter as much for let's say Greg Roman, Jim Harbaugh, this offense? Does someone need to separate themselves for you? Do they even really need to test all that great? Because watching um who's the Michigan center? Drake Nugent. Nugent? Yeah, yeah, Nugent. Uh, I don't think that guy went down the field once. Uh, that guy was definitely <laughs> <laughs> not saying he's not athletic, but you know, Mi- Michigan does not produce great testers along the offensive line. No. They're all guards playing five spots along the line yeah. in the center, I guess. Um, do you feel any of these centers actually need to pull away with their testing to be more like, oh yeah, that's the guy the Chargers should go after? Or do you think it really doesn't matter as much with the Chargers and Roman kind of the way they might be running the football this year? No, I don't think it does. I think center for them is more like stout power. Like you got to move people at the point of attack. The more athletic position that they they kind of use is more guard from what I've seen because they use pullers all the time in power concepts. So Zion, I think, is going to have a great time in this this uh, offense. I'm a little curious about Jamari and his fit overall at guard, but. At center, I think it's more like size, strength. I mean, like Bradley Bozeman played center for them in Baltimore. He was he's like a six six, you know, like not athletic, not athletic type very much. I actually do think, for what it's worth, that Will Clapp would fit very nice in this scheme. Um, for if he's able to to come back, I'm not not opposed to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like it's size, it's strength, it's smarts, because um, they do handle a lot. Like you watch most college centers these days, and they're not touching protections they're not touching stunts it's just like a lot of slide left slide right michigan stanford they always put a ton on the center's plate and you can listen to sam uh schwartzstein talk about it like Mm -hmm. it's it's an extension of the quarterback as it is in the nfl like that's what harbaugh believes in um and so mentally like you've got to be on top of your game physically power strength like that's kind of kind of your jam are we hoping for a, a zach frazier not good showing then because he's been projected as potentially the other first round center depends yeah. on what happens to Barton obviously um I don't think he's, he's, he's going to test cuz he's still recovering from a broken leg Oh great perfect so I think he's going to test at his pro day Perfect but, uh he definitely fits I mean Frazier is more athletic than yeah he is like Nugent and like Bo Limmer and guys like that Yeah um but uh, he can do all the other stuff too. Former wrestler has ever pointed out, lifted 350 pounds. So he definitely fits the strength and profile standpoint. But mm-hmm. he's also a great athlete. So if Frazier's there, Frazier's there at 37, it's mighty tempting for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that's about everybody. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on Twitter, I don't, I'm thank you, thankful for Justin Herbert. I don't have to care about quarterbacks and who throws <laughs> and who doesn't. Like, whatever. People can punt, I guess. But, yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, uh, not really interested in any of the quarterback stuff, except for J.J. McCarthy. I hope he has an awesome workout. <laughs> I hope he nails his interviews, and I hope he um, can get enough hype where teams would consider training up for the fifth overall pick for him. I got to figure out where he was projected. Oh, he was still ranked 24th on the consensus board in October. Where did I miss? There's been like a decent amount of J.J. McCarthy hype, but it's definitely like completely taking off right now consensus 11 to the vikings come on guys you know you want to move up well i mean if he's 
11th on the consensus board, quarterback tax would indicate that that's a top five pick. That's what I'm thinking. That is what I am thinking. <laughs> but I'm curious to see what Joe Hortiz says about all this. Oh, also, going back to the Khalil Mack thing, Tom Telesco, they're not the same GM, but Telesco last year at the Combine said, Keenan Allen is not going anywhere. I am not tempted to trade him whatsoever. Um, Keenan had, they, like, they'd already kind of posted ahead of that, but Tom Telesco officially put that to rest at the Combine at his presser. Will he do that for Khalil Mack? Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. Why did my brain go there? I don't know. No, you're good. Uh, I mean, because we're wrapping it up, you're emptying the brain. I get it. Um, so press conference, I think, is tomorrow at, um, I think he's speaking at 10 Eastern time. Is that correct? Is he really? <laughs> wow. So. Okay, cool. I'll Let me find it. it before I log off. Who tweeted that? Was it Ryan Fowler? Tweeted it? Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network tweeted out the whole schedule. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, 7 p.m. or 7 a.m. Excuse me. 7 a.m. Pacific time. Let's go from podium. Cool. 7, Something to do now. while I'm driving. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be live stream or not, but that's when he's speaking to the media. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, nobody's performing tomorrow. It's all media stuff for for now. The first testing doesn't start until Thursday, I believe. Yeah. Take a shot every time somebody asks the player if they've met with the team or spoken to a team. It's my least favorite part about media stuff, man. They meet with everybody. I'm glad people are starting to get really annoyed about that and just saying outright, like they're meeting with everyone, guys. Yeah, so, we'll see. The during the 2020 off season, I would like jump in some of the virtual like pro day stuff, and like there'd be like. 35 questions total and like 20 of them would be like have you met with the Steelers have you met with so-and-so I'm like yes it's April assume yes anyways that's my little rant about that two three years ago I used to post those back when I didn't know any better so I get it it's fun for clicks and to find out these things out but uh yeah yeah all right, you guys, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Um, we're going to be on the Chargers channel, I think, on Wednesday as usual, but we'll confirm later for that. Um, and then we'll be live here on Thursday night as usual to uh, wrap up the Combine, and we'll talk about some uh, other free agency draft stuff as well. All right, guys, appreciate it as always. Uh, make sure like, review, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, appreciate you guys and all the support. See you next time. Bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 